Welcome back. Episode 38 of the talk show. It's a quick episode about what's happened in the NBA. I actually wanted to talk about some of the stuff that happened at the end of the first round and my next exit and all that, but I saved it because the second round playoffs have been nuts and it's been just a crazy day in the NBA. I also threw in some Yankees talk at the end and a little bit of Jets OTA stuff. So that's for my uh, New York fans. But for everyone else, we talked Kevin Durant, his crazy game, Chris Paul, Trey Young, all that. So many stories going on in the NBA. All that and more coming up next on the talk show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to another edition of the talk show. And it's crazy how quickly things change. Uh, I wanted to record last night and I didn't. And then last night happened. Kevin Durant absolutely went off. And so that becomes the front top story, right? So that is the front page article. That is the headline. And that is where we're going to start with this. It's a loaded episode. I think I'm going to do another episode tomorrow to get to some of it. And I guess if you hear anything crazy out of the NBA tonight, you're going to be hearing me again right now. It's about 5.30 p.m. Um, So the NBA games for tonight didn't happen yet. So I'm going to try and get this episode as soon as possible. And then we'll talk about everything. But you got to start with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. What I had wrote in my notes for yesterday's podcast before I didn't record it was how crazy the series shifted. Game three, the Nets are up 2-0. The Bucks take a 20-point lead at home in their first game at home. And then Kevin Durant hits a three to put them up by three with about a minute left. He puts the Nets up by three. From that moment on, the series completely flipped. The Bucks come back and win that game. Obviously, the crazy late play with Bruce Brown. That was Thursday night. And then the Bucks win the crazy game. I guess it was Sunday night also. So now we're looking at two games. Kevin Durant's alone. Harden's out. Kyrie's out. So now from three superstars, you go down to one. And I had written here, who's the favorite to win the title now if the Nets are just out of it? Who are we talking about now? But Kevin Durant comes back and completely changes the narrative. In a game that they trailed by 17 in the first half, he totally flips the entire game. And I'm going to talk about something before I get to Kevin Durant. And that's James Harden. Everyone knows how much I love James Harden. And my father's probably listening right now laughing, thinking, oh, James Harden had, what, three turnovers and five points, and then he had eight assists and whatever, however many rebounds, and he stunk the whole game, basically. He didn't do anything. And you're going to make this a James Harden thing just because you love James Harden. Listen, I love James Harden. I wish he was 40 pounds lighter and played for the Knicks, but I still love James Harden. The point about James Harden is he got up. He said, you know what? No one else is playing tonight. I'm going to show up. I'm going to play. Not only did he play, he played 44 minutes. Probably because Steve Nash was like, hey, if you come out of the game, you're going to have to go to the bike to do cardio so that you keep your hamstring loose. And Harden was like, cardio? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just play. I'll, I'll hang out in the corner and guard PJ Tucker. And don't worry, they're not going to involve me in any pick and rolls. They won't go after me on offense because why would they do that? Why would they go after a one-legged James Harden? And we'll get to the Bucks in a second because 
they foobarred this game in a crazy way that I mean should never be allowed. But you needed someone to basically come out and wake Kevin Durant up. Kevin Durant had the opportunity in game four to be Kevin Durant and to just be like, oh my God, I'm the best scorer in the league. I could score at will at any point. But he didn't do that. And he didn't have that big game. We've never seen it in his career. I mean, he had it plenty of opportunities up 3-1 when he was in OKC. And obviously, I was a huge Kevin Durant fan back in OKC. I have an OKC Kevin Durant jersey. And then he goes to the Warriors and you know his popularity drops. And then he goes to Brooklyn and his popularity drops even further. At this point, you can appreciate what he is, but he's not a likable dude anymore. Last night, I think he totally shifted the way everyone viewed him the last two years, the last three years or whatever. He totally flipped that. Now people are like, oh my God, Kevin Durant came through with one of the greatest games in NBA playoff history. He didn't sit for a single minute, played 48 minutes the entire game, should have had 50 points. He missed a free throw at the end, but he was in complete control of that game. Not only did he have the triple double and the 10 assists and the 16 rebounds or whatever it is, that stuff doesn't matter to me. He was in complete control from the tip till the very end of the game for every single second of the game because he was on the floor for every single second of the game. Even when they were down, it felt like they're going to keep this close enough and then go on a run. And they did. They did just that. And once they went on a run, if you're a Bucks fan, when it got to the point that it was like a seven-point game late in the third, early fourth quarter, if you're a Bucks fan, you were probably panicking at that point because you realized it was coming and there was nothing they could do to stop it. My James Harden point is he stood up. He said, I'm going to be the man. I'm going to play hurt. I'm going to show how much this game means to me, to my teammates. And maybe that galvanized the team. Maybe that got guys like Jeff Green who exploded seven for eight from three. He was seven for his first seven on three pointers. And they're not in a close game at in the third quarter or whatever if it weren't for him. So maybe that got him motivated. And I don't know if Kevin Durant needs any motivation. But I posted it on my Instagram last night, the video of him hitting that crazy three. There's about 50 seconds left. And the Nets are up by one. And Durant has to bail out James Harden on a terrible possession. And he hits that huge three as the shot clock's winding down. It's just like, oh my God, that's insane. I hate the Nets. Everyone knows that. I hate the super team. I was so excited to come on here and tell you, well, Chris Paul could finally get his NBA championship. Or maybe he'll play against Trey Young even. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? There's so many different opportunities, so many different things. Maybe it's the Sixers. Maybe it's the Bucs. But I'm not upset. I'm not upset about that game because you have to appreciate greatness. When you're watching greatness in front of you, when you get the opportunity to see a game like that, that's a once every 15 years, someone has a game like that. It's truly remarkable. It's like LeBron James against the Pistons or any other type playoff game where you just have that feeling like, oh my God. And Kevin Durant had not had one of those in his career, at least to this level. I know he had a couple big games when he was on Golden State against Cleveland, but in both of those games, again, there was Steph Curry, there was Klay Thompson, there was all of that. This game was the Kevin Durant show. It was, I'm going to will my team to victory. I'm going to do it on my own, all by myself, and just totally... And it felt like, by the way, if you think (laughs) 
that they're losing at any point for the rest of the series or for the rest of the playoffs. You'd be crazy to say that at this point. And of course that could change again, as you see how quickly things change in sports, but the idea that he could have scored 90 in that game, if he wanted to, if he took 30 shots, he would have scored 80 points. If he would have taken 40 shots, he would have scored 90 points. Why not? It seemed like whenever he wanted to do anything offensively, he did it. And obviously he had to turn it on and off a little bit throughout the game because he did play every minute of that game. So that's crazy. Another crazy part is it wouldn't have been a one-point game if Giannis Antetokounmpo can hit free throws. And that gets me to the Bucks point. And <laughs> the Bucks blew that game. Yeah, Kevin Durant had 50 points in 48 minutes, whatever, 49 points. But as much as the Nets and Kevin Durant won that game, the Bucks blew it. That was some terrible coaching. P.J. Tucker... At some point, you had to realize that that wasn't working. I know Kevin Durant had 29 points through the first three quarters, which is great. 29 points, 8 assists. He had already had the double-double with 10 boards or 13 boards, something like that. But in that fourth quarter, as it's all unraveling, wouldn't you put the best player in the league today on Kevin Durant? Shouldn't the best player in the league, again, quotations, best player in the league, be able to defend Kevin Durant Shouldn't he be able to hit two free throws and not go one for two at the line every time? And one for two, at one point, whoever was doing the game, I know it was Marv Albert, maybe it was Reggie Miller doing it with him. He's like, Marv, this is all they could ask for from Kevin Durant. He's four for seven from the line. That's all you could ask for if you're the Bucks. That's all you can ask for? This guy's supposed to be an MVP. This guy's supposed to lead you. There was a late possession where he had James Harden switched onto him. Finally, they got James Harden to switch onto him, which I don't know why they weren't doing that the entire game. But finally, they got James Harden to switch onto Giannis Antetokounmpo. He has him in the post. He starts backing him down. Harden waves off the double team. He's like, Landry Shaman, I got this. A one-legged James Harden. And he forced Giannis, or I shouldn't even say force. Giannis decided, I'm going to take a turnaround, faded away, 18-footer or whatever it was, 12-footer. What are you doing, Giannis? He did that so many times where he's just not taking the game. On that last play where he dropped it out of bounds on the pass from Middleton, it almost felt like he was shying away from the moment because he didn't want to get fouled again and sent to the line. You're down three. He wouldn't have hit two free throws. It's just that's... It's so frustrating to see a player like that and it's it it reminds a lot of people of the Shaq pre Kobe. Of course, I don't remember it personally, but that's what I'm hearing people say. It's Shaq pre Kobe, because late in game situation, you could just hack a Shaq. You could hack a Giannis. In the half court offense, Giannis has been ineffective, and he's still putting up his numbers. That just shows the greatness of Giannis. But you're not defending the best player. And you're kind of a net negative. He's pulling up with even with four minutes left. He was pulling up for threes. That's not your game. Where's his head at? Like, wh- what's he thinking? I-, I don't understand it. I don't know what the coach is doing, wh- what they're calling, why Giannis is not guarding him. And of course, Drew Holiday and Middleton, those guys should have showed up in this series a little bit more. But those guys, you're asking them to be the creators, to be the guys who facilitate the offense, who move the ball around. I was going through the game and I was like, the their best shot is a Brooke Lopez three off of motion, and that just never happened. 
they get into half court and it's just Giannis standing around dribbling at the top of the key with a defender 15 feet away from him. And then he tries to barrel into the guy. The fact that that works as many times as it does is astonishing to me. I don't know, but that's just, that's not good offense. So that's that series. I think that series is done. I don't think Brooklyn's going to come out uh, in Milwaukee and win it because I think the Nets realize that Durant needs to rest a little bit. <laughs> they realize that they could win this game easily at home if they want to in game seven. I don't think they'll have any issue doing that. So I think this series will go seven. But yeah, I haven't been on here <laughs> since my Knicks were officially eliminated and I'll get to them later because I don't want to talk about what's not going on in the NBA now. Um, but my Knicks were officially eliminated. Uh, I already had the Knicks funeral podcast up from before they were eliminated. I had hoped we would get a game five. But Trey Young has made me feel better about myself and what he's done to the Philadelphia 76ers. And hopefully he can continue it tonight in game six. Through the Or I guess it would be game five. Through the first four games of the series, they split. It's 2-2. And Trey Young is insane. And the way they built that team is insane. And I know a lot of people are on Twitter today talking about the injuries and the healthiest team is going to win a championship. Whoever stays the healthiest and LeBron's calling out the league and stuff. Hey, look, this is what I told you. How long was it going to take before LeBron got over his, uh, hey, I'm not focused on this. I'm focused on my movie that's coming out too. blame the league for why he's not in the finals right now. Because the healthiest team will win the finals. I told you this would happen. I told you guys did this wrong. He's not wrong. It's just you don't want to see it. There's injuries every year. And Chris Paul, he's not injured. He has something going on. I don't, is he vaccinated? I don't want to make any assumptions, but is Chris Paul vaccinated? Why is he having COVID issues? I don't know what the protocol is. I don't know what's happening. So that's an interesting situation with Chris Paul. But back to Trey Young. What he's done in these playoffs has proven that he's a real player. This is a guy who people thought of as a, a three-point shooter, a turnover machine, a guy who's just going to throw it up from 30 feet. No, he's facilitating for his team. He's in control of the tempo, much like Kevin Durant was last night. He's control in control of the tempo of the game. He had 25 points and 18 assists in their last game, in game four. But it was more than that. He was controlling everything that happened on the offensive side of the floor, whether he's facilitating for other guys, getting guys open looks, lobbing it to Capella inside. It's kind of funny because when I watch them play, it reminds me a lot of the James Harden and, and uh, Clint Capella Houston days. You have Clint Capella setting a high screen for a guy who draws fouls very well, gets to the rim very well, can pass to anyone from anywhere, and can also just pull up and shoot. <laughs> that is incredible. That's the, kind of like James Harden. The one thing I would say that they designed this team a little bit better than those James Harden teams, and I'm not saying Trey Young has gotten to the level that he's as good as James Harden yet, but the one thing that they did better than those Houston teams is they surround them with such quality shooters. You look at guys like Bogdan, you look at guys like Danilo, and even guys like John Collins and and uh, Herder and all those guys, those are guys who can create for themselves in addition to just being shooters. So when they're playing four-on-three basketball because you have to double or you send another guy who's fading out, out of the pick and roll, and there's all those options out there on the floor for Trey Young, and then you kind of just have to go one-on-one -on -one against him. And that's what the Knicks for, were first to do. And watching it without any biases has shown me that you have to defend him one-on-one -on -one because he'll burn you if you don't. One of those other guys, even if it's Gallinari, there's nobody that you want the ball in their hands. They have length. 
they have shooting, they have playmaking, and they're healthy. This team is a real problem. Ben Simmons is another guy. I think he's, I've always said, I think he's overhyped. I think he was robbed of defensive player of the year. The fact that he was able to defend, you know, Russell Westbrook in one series, and then the next series he could go and defend Trey Young, and then the next series he could be defending Giannis Antetokounmpo if he gets to that point is insane. That is obviously something that we've never seen from anyone. But the point is that on offense, they hide him out. They take him out of games late in games. And it's just the Joel Embiid show. And obviously, Joel Embiid has not been 100%. He was definitely far from healthy in the second half of game four. I don't know what his status is for tonight. But if you start looking at at reasons why they're losing to this team, it's because the Hawks are just deep. They have so many different options on offense. And really, the Sixers don't. Tobias Harris, he's a good option. But you're really relying on a late three from Seth Curry. It looks like they ran a play for Seth Curry to tie that game. He was their best option. And no, no shade to at Seth Curry. He's a, a solid player. He's a good three-point shooter. But he's not the guy you want with the ball in his hands with the game on the line. And Trey Young is. And Trey Young has been now for the last month or so. And that's something that he matured. He's understood the moments. He's appreciated the moments. And he's taken advantage of these moments to take the opportunity to be the man. And he's done that. And it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. One thing that I was thinking about before the series with the Nets got as crazy as it did last night. So before last night's game, one thing I was thinking about was can the Hawks go to the finals? And I think they'd beat the Bucks. I don't think they'd beat the Nets, but I think they could definitely beat the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks can keep up with their scoring. I don't think there's anyone on that team who could defend Trey Young, although Drew Holiday is an excellent defender. And to think that the Hawks could go to the finals and then I started thinking about a Hawks Trey Young versus Chris Paul in the Suns finals. That's Brady Mahomes right there. That's the guy everyone's rooted for, the point god. He's invented the position, basically. He's the greatest point guard of this generation, Chris Paul. And what he's done at this age with this team, this young team in Phoenix. And then you have the young guy coming in who's just a highlight machine. Fun to watch. Everyone loves him. It's the same kind of thing. It's Mahomes Brady all over again. So that would be a really fun final series. It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, but now Chris Paul is out. Who knows how long he's going to be out for? But before he was out, how far could that team go? That team, people doubted them, and I'm one of them against the Lakers. Once Anthony Davis got hurt, the sky became the limit for that team. It was like, oh my God, this team's going to go far. Who knows how far this team could go? They are in such great sync. It's interesting. They swept the series, and I was kind of wondering, maybe sitting for this long hurts them. But I also wanted to see Chris Paul go up against the Clippers, his old team, and beat them. I mean, who doesn't watch a Chris Paul Clippers series? But now that looks to be in jeopardy, as who knows how long Kawhi Leonard's going to be out for. The stories that came down out of the NBA, I mean, yeah, it's tough. I, I'm with LeBron in that sense. It's not what you want. It's not ideal. But it is what it is. It's every year. It's every sport. And maybe it is more than other years and more than other sports because it was so close. 
But Kawhi Leonard was not playing that deep into the playoffs last year. Would he get bounced in the second round? It's not like he put a ton of miles on him this year. He sat for a lot of games. That's what Kawhi Leonard does. But that team was finally starting to look like a team, that Clippers team. I have an interesting take on the Clippers, though. <laughs> and you could tell me if you think... I mean, this is weird to me. The Clippers are relying on real minutes from guys like Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum. They're getting big shots from Marcus Morris. It feels like this team was not so thought out. It was like, hey, we have an opportunity to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, two great wing players, and we'll just wing it the rest of the way. The fact that Pat Beverly is coming in and getting significant minutes I don't think Paul George is have is capable of having a game even close to what Kevin Durant did or having just a career game that he carries them to victory. Now it's kind of funny because the Utah Jazz, who everyone talked about, eh, you know, they're, they're good, but they never got respect all year. They're not a real one seed. Eh. Even without Mike Conley now, they have a chance to have home court advantage, go to the conference finals against the number two seed in the Phoenix Suns. So those are the series remaining. Those four series, I just touched on them. We talked about the Clippers and the Jazz. We talked about how the Suns moved on. The Nets look like they're primed to move on. And then, does Trey Young have any magic left in him? Or will the Sixers finally show up and show that they are actually a better team? Who knows? I do want to cut the episode a little bit short. Um, and I'm going to come back tomorrow. I have a lot to talk about tomorrow. I want to talk about the teams that exited the first round in next episode. So that includes my Knicks. That includes Portland. There's a lot of storylines there. That includes the Mavericks, and there's crazy stories there. And I have a whole conspiracy theory about that. And a lot went down with them today. It includes the Lakers and LeBron, Anthony Davis. Obviously, the Wizards. They decided to mutually part ways with Scott Brooks today. That guy should have been fired. I mean, but... Who knows what's going to be happening tomorrow? I say enjoy the playoff games tonight. There's two more tonight. You have game five between the Jazz and the Clippers. And you have game five between the Hawks and the Sixers. So those games are obviously huge games, huge implications on the rest of the playoffs and how everything else shakes out. We'll see what happens. I do want to touch on a couple of things so that we could do full NBA tomorrow. And like I said, a lot to get to tomorrow. I don't like being right. You know, sometimes people get on here and they they make a prediction that's against their team. People do this all the time. They'll bet against their team. And then that way, if their team wins, they're happy. If their team loses, they're also happy. I talked extensively throughout the offseason with Eric Hubbs, Brian Hoke, um, some other Yankees guys. Uh, Jake Asman. I talked about how I don't like the way the Yankees are built. I don't think they're built for a championship. I don't like the way baseball is played these days. I go to baseball games now almost every night and I just heckle the players. I say, hit the ball to the left side. They're shifting. Just hit it to the other side. So when I'm doing that every night at a baseball game and uh, I think a lot about the Yankees and you know who else is doing that? John Sterling. John Sterling goes on the Yankees radio network and I says, Susan, I don't understand. How come every single time? Yankees get a man on second base and they can't even forget about scoring him. Man on second base, no outs. They can't even move him to third. And it's true. That's it, the way baseball is played is ridiculous. And last night I saw Trey Turner hit a stand up triple. That was the most entertaining part of the baseball game. There was also a grand slam, but 
watching Trey Turner run three bases as fast as he runs in, you have to hit the ball hard and you have to have a little bit of luck. That's one of the most fun parts of the game. Last night, the Yankees won a game because Tyler Wade was able to steal second and then they got a clutch hit. Situational hitting, hitting and running, not running to third every time there's a ground ball to shortstop. That's part of the game. I said the Yankees have zero fundamentals. They have zero heart. They have zero life. Now I'm up to and I'm ranting. Jeez. <laughs> Took me. The, I went from zero to 60 real quick there. Not to catch myself. But that's how the Yankees make me feel. They really, really piss me off. They don't play baseball the right way. They decided, hey, we're not going to get Tanaka. We're going to go with Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyon. And I love the Jamison Tyon story. I love that Kluber threw a no-hitter after not playing for two years. But look, he's out now. As far as Tyone, he stinks. I wish he didn't. I think it's great. He came back from cancer. He came back from Tommy John twice. He's a great story. He's a great guy. He's a great interview. I defended him to the end of the earth when they said that, oh, he talked about he needs more run support. That quote was twisted. No, he does not need more run support. He never said that. He really gave his teams his vote of confidence. But he's not good. And then you just let Masahiro Tanaka walk. Look at what Taiwan Walker's been doing for the Mets. That's the guy who was cheap. That's the guy who Brian Hoke was talking about. Hey, I think the Yankees should have to actually go after him because that's the type of guy that Cashman likes. Boone has zero intentions of getting thrown out of games. He doesn't care. He looks lifeless. The team looks lifeless. They don't care. Giancarlo Stanton, you might as well play him in the outfield because he's going to get hurt eventually anyway. So you might as well just play him in the outfield, and if he gets hurt, then you don't have to worry about him anymore. At least you don't have to worry about him, but starting him and then sitting him and starting him and sitting him only at DH because that's the only thing he can do. He never gets in rhythm. He strikes out every single time. You need him to go on a hot stretch where he's playing every single day in the lineup, but you can't have that because you need to put Aaron Judge at DH and you you need to put this guy. This is not a team that's going to win a World Series. I don't even care if they come back and make a wild card game. I don't know why people want them to make a wild card game at this point. Listen, I talked about this all offseason. I don't want to be right about it. This is not the type of thing where, oh, I'm told, I told you so. I'm not happy that I'm saying I told you so. But it's a fact. This team is not a championship team. This team lacks everything. You could talk about the talent all day. You could talk about, well, once they start hitting, they're not starting to hit. They have zero intention of starting to hit. And baseball, by the way. Major League Baseball. I talked about the issues with Major League Baseball. They came out now and they're like, oh, well, you know, now they're not allowed to use sticky stuff anymore. And forget about the 10 game suspension and what they talked about. Oh, you're going to suspend us for 10 games, but the, the Astros, you still haven't suspended for a single game. Forget about that. Forget about Tyler Glass now saying that he got hurt because he's used to throwing a ball a certain way. Forget about all the headlines. Baseball is trying to shift the headlines. They're trying to say, hey, don't use sticky stuff. That way batters can hit better. You know how batters can hit better if they tried to put the bat on the ball. Instead of just caring about launch angle and not caring about striking out. Let the game get to a bad point. I said that was the solve. That was the solution was to get let the game continue to roll. But what does baseball do? They go ahead and they say, no, we're going to fix it. Pitchers, you're not allowed to use sticky stuff anymore. That's out. That wasn't the problem. If you thought that was the problem with the game, you're the problem with the game. The problem with the game was that hitters don't care how to hit anymore. They don't know how to hit. They don't try and hit. They just try and hit homers. They strike out. They don't care. So the Yankees are the exact, they, they are the epitome of that. They're a bunch of guys. They don't know how to run the bases. They don't know how to field. They don't know how to hit. They don't know how to play situational baseball. And they're waiting for the three-run home run. And they can wait for them today till tomorrow. It's never going to come. They're not winning a World Series. They have no life. This is not a baseball team that you build on a, on a piece of paper. 
sports, that's what's great about it. It has the human aspect. You need that in sports. And if a front office can't figure that out, I, 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 how do you show it to them? You see guys like Tatis having fun, and it works. You know who's fun? The Mets. They have life. No matter who comes up, these no-name guys, Billy McKinney and Jose Peraza, and these guys are coming up. And they're having fun, and they're winning games doing it. You know why? Because they actually have life, and they actually play the game the right way. And then they have Jacob deGrom. He might be the greatest professional athlete I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I could talk about him for days. I know we say this every four years, and this is my last point before I leave. I need a detox from that. Every four years, us as Jets fans, we talk about how it's a new era. And... They're finally doing things the right way, and they have the new quarterback, and this is we reset the clock on it. So it's interesting. Um, something happened, it's minor, but Jameson Crowder, the Jets asked him to take a 50% pay cut because they're paying him whatever it was, ten and a half million dollars, and they didn't want him to they didn't want to pay him that. They wanted to pay money elsewhere. Now, in the past, it would have blown up, the guy would have sat out, and it would have been a three-week thing where he's not coming, there's an impasse, blah, blah, blah. Now the Jets cut him, and then it's a whole long thing. Well, it was tweeted about, and then the next day, the contract was resolved, he decided to stay with them, he took the pay cut, and he was back at OTAs. That just tells you that there's something in this organization, there's competence. Here's a guy who wanted to stay, he believed in what was happening, he believed in the coach, he believed in what's going on. And I looked at that and I was like, hey, I'm going to renew my Jets season tickets. Because there's competence. There's a sign of life. There's a sign of something new in the air. And I know it's something small. It's really something little. But you listen to the way Robert Sala talks. Even Corey Davis, they asked him about Sam Darnold. He's never played a game with Sam Darnold. The Jets media, the people asking these questions, want to continue these storylines. They want to continue the bad stuff. They're all as bad as Manish Mehta. Not as bad, but almost as bad. And... These guys, the players themselves, are not letting that happen. He's like, I never played with Sam. Uh, I don't know. Zach's our quarterback. And so I like to see that. That's something that's positive. And I know Jets fans, every four years, we talk about, well, it's a new era. This, But you got to be somewhat optimistic. Otherwise, why do you keep doing this to yourself? So as a Jets fan, good, good, good job by the Jets this year. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Like I said, huge episode tomorrow. The Luka story. The Trailblazers the Knicks in their offseason. Um, so many other things. I got some LeBron stuff. All that coming up tomorrow. Until then, see ya.
Take it with you when you go. Who says you can't?